the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. time on the pot, like, in the backdrop yeah all right welcome to the second episode of the jewish divorce project welcome today's welcome. episode we have noam in the hot seat we're going to get to know him a little bit better last week he interviewed me now we're going to tables are turned and we're going to find out a little bit about who he is what he does and why he's here Okay. Are you ready, Noam? I'm ready. Fire away. Great. I'm going to start with the same question that you started with me, and that is describe or tell us about your spiritual upbringing. So I grew up uh, in, a, I would say, a great family, uh, very blessed as I look back on it now. Uh, four kids, uh, parents still married. Uh, all of us, you know, had good Jewish education, good Jewish experiences. We had a very active Jewish household. Uh, you know, we identified with um, conservative Judaism. And this is in the, you know, the, the Northeast. We grew up in Connecticut, uh, where, you know, we were surrounded by other states that had really strong and vibrant Jewish populations. Uh, and so we were all kind of caught up in that. Um, and then, you know, we all did our own thing. We went through high school doing... Camp Ramah and USY, you know, also years before that too, at least with Camp Ramah, or most of us doing Camp Ramah, uh, but involved in a Jewish summer camp and Jewish summer experience in some way, even if it wasn't Camp Ramah explicitly or exclusively. And when we graduated from high school, we all went off to our respective colleges and did our own things and grew in our own individual ways. And I did the same and I was uh, active in the Jewish community in college um, and which was also very different though than my experience growing up in high school I mean as I said we kind of identified conservative and our family was very active which meant we celebrated Shabbat on a regular basis we kept kashrut on a regular basis we celebrated the holidays on a regular basis I mean I was a ghost in public school during the fall seasons because we were just out all the time celebrating the Chagim celebrating all the holidays had a Sukkah in our backyard, celebrated Purim and Passover. And I, I mean, literally all of them, we did it all. Uh, we were very active, very engaged Jewish household. Uh, and in college, I backed away from that a little bit, wanting to find my own space and choosing my own, own path, even kind of having a foot in the Jewish community as well and being an active participant in it. But my spiritual and my religious approach to Judaism changed during that time because I wanted to have agency about it. I wanted to have my own choice in terms of how that developed and just wandered and figured my own way through it uh, with conversations with friends and teachers and studying as you do in college. You find your own way and experimenting with different things and just trying different things out and eventually came around to thinking that at some point in my life I wanted to be part of the Jewish community professionally but needed to take time off to figure that out and after college I spent time just, um, well, I worked in different institutions. I worked at UCSD uh, doing student outreach for Hillel, uh, University of California, San Diego, which was a fantastic experience that first brought me out to California as a young professional. 
And then I also worked at the Yale Psychiatric Hospital, which was eye-opening in and of itself. I got to be face-to-face -face with mental illness and to assist others and to be part of really engaging and meaningful work that had absolutely nothing to do with the Jewish community at all and really inspired me and really engaged me and excited me. And I liked working with people and being with them in those moments of vulnerability. And even though that was really fulfilling work, I still saw that as an opening to work in the Jewish community. In the Jewish community, I got to be part of people's lives and to still be at the center of it with them as well, to be with them as it kind of swirled all around them. I didn't know that then at that moment, but I realized like that's what it was that I was so drawn to, that I knew I wanted to do study and I wanted to go on a spiritual path and that becoming a rabbi was going to be an entrance point for that. So at the very least, it would be worthwhile of my time. I didn't have a clearer picture of what I really wanted to get out of it, what I was really excited or inspired by and motivated by the position and the role. And particularly the role is what really called to me. And I discovered that along the way when I was doing life cycle things for my community. There was one young man that I established a good friendship with, David, still friends with him now, and it's beautiful to watch his family grow, um, you know, and be there for his wedding and, and to see his, you know, daughter born and to his son born and to watch them now learn how to play the shofar, uh, you know, and just have other friends as well who I was at their, you know, facilitating their bris milah, their, their circumcisions for their children um, and seeing them get choked up at what it meant to kind of relay a legacy to even a newborn, right? But what it meant to kind of, for them to process it in that moment, that, that what they were going through, literally standing in a room um, with my friend John, uh, as he becomes a father for the first time with all of his family standing around him. And he's trying to say kind of the significance of the name that he's giving to his firstborn son and what it means to him to pass that legacy and that tradition on. And he's getting choked up throughout the process. So he has me read the speech for him and I realized the privilege and the blessing of being there while he's literally transitioning into that moment of fatherhood. Um, it's a real privilege to be there. And I love those moments. And so I love doing those things as a rabbi. And so I continue doing those things as a rabbi, but I also wanted to shift my approach to that of professional coach because I feel like I'm more geared to that direction anyway. I'm not necessarily so strict about religious doctrine and applying Jewish law to my life and such minute and particular ways. I'm much more interested in the spirit of Jewish law and how it um, applies to me and brings meaning to my life in that way and helps me feel much more connected to the world and to the people around me. And to most importantly, if there is some type of cosmic force that runs through everything, I wanna feel part of that too, because I feel like that would bring meaning to my life. And all that is a result, I think, of the community and the home that I grew up in that you know I have this thirst and this interest in it and this desire to swim in the ocean, or I would say even, you know, travel and journey in the Jewish cosmos that's out there, given how vast it is. That's all a result of, you know, having that opportunity to, you know, put my foot in it first in my parents' household and have them relay that information to me, right? Those, that's where the, the seedlings for that are. And, you know, now I'm trying to grow my own kind of garden and orchard here. Um, with these two little saplings who, you know, like to drink it all up. And uh, that's a spiritual experience in and of itself that's kind of shaped my view of how we apply Judaism to our lives and how we do things in any number of different ways, which are conversations for another time. But maybe that answers your question. 
it answered far more than my question. <laughs> um, so you said that you wandered in college. So what were you wandering from and what were you looking for? I, I, I knew right in college that, you know, like the, the Jewish life that, that I had had been given to me. It hadn't been one that I had formed and chosen on my own. And I knew I needed kind of a reset from that. And college was the best place for that. I mean, it's the time where we experience our real independence for the first time. And so I knew that it was an opportunity for me to carve out whatever Jewish perspective was going to be my own, at least at the beginning of it, right? Starting my agency in that way was going to happen right then and there. For as much as I wanted to, you know, make my own decisions and, and, made plenty of them when I was living under my parents' household. There were certain ones that, you know, you just kind of abided under because you lived in your parents' household. Everyone lives in that way, right? That's what it means to grow up with family customs and family structure. Uh, and then you eventually make your own decisions. That's what it, I believe that's what a healthy family does. They grow a child up with certain forms of structure, whatever it is that gives the child meaning and, you know, security in their life and understanding of who they are in some way, but also gives them the tools to define their own lives in their own ways, either in relation to what they grew up with or completely separate from it, breaking whatever structure they were initially given and creating their own, but at least giving them the agency to do so. That's the one thing that I'm really grateful. I mean, I, I remember my mother was really upset at me when, uh, she wasn't really upset at me, I don't wanna over-dramatize it, but she, she asked me, uh, why did I decide to go to rabbinical school on the, on the East Coast? Uh, why did why did I decide to go to rabbinical school, excuse me, on the West Coast, and why all of her children like to kind of move away from her home in Connecticut? And I said, I think that's just what happens. And I think that's also a hallmark of, you know, strong parenting, that you give your children the wings to kind of go out there and adventure and figure things out from their own. And, you know, maybe the further they fly from the nest is a signal or a, a result of the type of strength that you've given them. And, and that should be seen as a point of pride. Uh, for as for as painful as it might be, and so, yeah. How many siblings do you have? I have an older brother, Ari, and I have two younger sisters, Michal and Aviva. And none of them live close to your parents. No, I mean Michal and Aviva. My sisters do. They live in Jersey, and uh, my parents still live in Connecticut. Ari and Carly live in Michigan, and I'm here in California. You so you went as far as you could. I went as far as I could. I went as far as I could. That's right. Leaving you, me it's probably been, uh, a, a, a stab in the back in some way. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we got to go a little far to find where, where we want to be. So. I think so. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we've got, we've got a sapling here listening and he's nodding in as well. That's exactly right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you're divorced yourself. That's part of this podcast is yeah. the two of us talking about divorce and then, you know, that intersection of where divorce and Judaism comes together. And how many years have you been divorced? I've been divorced for 20, no, 2030 days. 2030 days. No, almost a year. I'd say divorced for almost a year. Yeah. And, um, it's been a wild ride. I mean, just kind of resettling and, you know, getting life readjusted and... Then why and, don't you adjust your life more? Why don't I adjust my life more? I adjust my life plenty. Um, wow. What a question, you know, to think about it. Yeah, Noah. Why don't you adjust your life more? This is the hot seat. I do adjust my, I adjust my life plenty. Yep. 
I'm breathing now. <laughs> I adjust my life. Well, but I think that's part of the difficulty is like figuring out how you're going to adjust your life. I think for me, that was one of the major questions that I was wrestling with that was, that was difficult to overcome was how am I going to adjust my life? What will that look like? You know, you spend so much time building this, you know, image of what your life is like and investing in it and enjoying it. And then you have to change it. And you're like, well, I don't know how to structure that. And so that was certainly, you know, that was, that's a good question he poses. Why don't you adjust your life more? Well, that takes time. You know, I think mm -hmm. you make, <laughs> you make big adjustments uh, when you can and you make little adjustments along the way, which help maybe make the big adjustments better. Yep. And you offer yourself a great deal of patience and you give yourself a lot of self-forgiveness along the way because you need to have uh, some way to be flexible about everything because you need to figure new things out. And so, Hold on, I have a question for Elijah. Yeah. Elijah, what's the biggest adjustment your dad has made? Wrestling. What do you mean by wrestling? He got a lot better at it. <laughs> You had a lot more aggression to get out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Who had aggression to get out? You did? Yep. Yeah. Because I beat all of you sometimes. You beat me sometimes? You, yeah, you do. So I got better at wrestling? Though? I got better Got better at wrestling? I guess. Wait, who got better at wrestling? I got better at wrestling or you got better at wrestling? Uh, uh, okay, you, you did. I did, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate what did, it. What did he get worse at? Is there anything I got worse at? Don't be worse. What? Don't be worse. Don't be worse? That would be worse. What would be worse? Because you wouldn't be able to wrestle us. Oh, if I, if I couldn't wrestle you, that would be worse? Nope. Yeah. Yes, it, yeah. You mean yes, it would? Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> do you like wrestling? Yep. Why do you like wrestling? Because you get to wrestle. And it's fun, and you can get a smack pillow in the face. You get to get a smack pillow in the face. Sure, okay. Like pillow. Like slap people in the face with a pillow. <laughs> slap people in the face with a pillow. Pillow slap. Pillow slap. It's clearly Lord of the Flies over here. Or it's clearly a pillow fight. Or it's clearly a pillow fight. So, back to you, Noam. Life will always be honest. <laughs> mm hmm He'll always tell you what's on his mind. Uh -huh. Yeah, back to me. What was the question? Uh, well, the question was, how many years have you been divorced? Yeah, so I'm, I'm coming up in a year. I mean, my divorce was finalized, I would say. Oh, it was uh, definitely finalized in November of 2019. So coming up on that finalization point, you know, um, is certainly, I think, an anniversary that's worth recognition in some way. I wonder how I'll do that as I think about it, you know my mind and my spirit are kind of geared to mark big moments. So maybe there's a trip to the mikvah. Uh, I think the ocean will probably be pretty cold at that point. I wonder if the mikvahs will actually be open. They probably won't be. But I, I, I think there'll be some uh, interesting transitionary rituals we'll have to explore. We'll see what that looks like. Did you do anything like that? Nope. You tear up your get? No. No? No, no sorry, no. tear up your ketubah. Tear up my, um, Nope, no rituals. I was done, done, and then done. <laughs> um, I don't even know the, oh, I do know the date because it was around my birthday. It was a birthday present. Um, <laughs> so I guess I celebrate when I have my birthday. Yeah. It, was, it was right around that time, like very close, a few days off from my birthday. 
but I, and I guess we'll get into this, but to me that, that period of time was such, I look at it more as traumatic uh, as opposed to, I don't know there was a lot of trauma involved in my divorce and um, it was the cessation of it, the move away from the trauma and that experience of relief and freedom. And um, it's not something I want to go back to and address yearly. I, I'm more of the forward vision of, okay, it's like walking away from the burning building and not looking back kind of thing. I hear you. I don't know that I'm thinking Shut about- That's what I mean by running from a, a flamed house. Running from a flamed house. Out through the heart. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Shut through the heart and you're to run. Do the rest. You give love. <laughs> I don't know the rest. I don't know the rest. All I know is that. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I don't think of, of making it like a yearly thing, but you know, I wonder what it would just be like to, to do something like that, right? A transitionary period, that sort of thing, a final thing to market, what that would look like. My mind always just kind of moves in that direction of what it would be like to, to mark something in that way. Also, I once had a client and she said something to me that stuck in my head. I, I, I gave her some type of generalized registration form. You mean Lego movie too? And she had to click, check the box, right? Are you single, married, divorced? Uh, and she was like, why, why does my divorce define me? Like, why do I have to check this box all the time that I'm divorced? And I thought, that's an excellent question. Like, why do we why are we always asking people the relationship status and define it by divorce? And I, I kind of feel that way of the divorce was just a moment in my life. And I don't necessarily anchor myself to the moment. I say that ironically enough because most, if not entirely, <laughs> all of my work <laughs> revolves around divorce, but it's not necessarily me processing mine. It's me having learned from mine and then transferring that over. And I thought that that was an interesting thought. I think it takes time for people to adjust to the, the fact that divorce is an experience like any other rather than a label, right? Uh, it's, you know, on par with, God forbid, losing a job, right? Or, you know, stretching your arms out. Stretching your arms out. I don't know what's on. Board. It means pulling your body out. Pulling my body out. It means you stretch your body when, when, when people pull your legs and your butt. Thank you for that. I really appreciate your insight. You're being it sarcastic. Flies, flies beyond your years. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I when he's sarcastic and when he's not sarcastic. I mean, I think there is like there's obviously a huge transition that takes place in any experience, right? You go through it, and so you wonder who you are at the beginning of it and who you are at the end, and kind of in the middle is so mushy you don't really know. It's undefined. And even at the end, you're not necessarily defined, but... Like the start of life and the end of life. Was that what you were going to say? Well, you just blew my mind for a moment, so <laughs> you have to give me a chance just to process what you said, sweetie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, kind of like that. You're not entirely defined by whether or not, you know, what part of it you're at, beginning, middle, or end, but you go through something and you realize that you're different in some way, you're changed. But you have to understand that it's an experience, again, like anything else. 
there's a trauma involved, maybe depending on how it is, maybe there's a catharsis, maybe there's both. But I think also understanding in the process of your own life is really what matters rather than in relation to anyone else's, right? Because everyone else could look at it as divorce and use it you know, pejoratively in some type of negative way. You could also use it as a doorway, right? As a, as a closing, right? And as an opening rather than anything negative that anyone else might associate with it. But I think that takes time though for people to adjust to. I guess you adjust your body into head. I mean, in heaven. Thanks for correcting yourself there, buddy. So tell us a little bit about why you're here, why you're investing in this podcast or project and why it's important to you. So there are actually a couple things that are really important to me about this. One, I think, is having the conversation about Judaism and divorce, particularly because seeing as a rabbi that most of the pastoring I did was to members who are in you know, you would say whole, what are characterized as whole or unbroken families. Or mole. Thank you, or mole, right? But whole families, right? Uh, families that were either made up of um, heterosexual couples or homosexual couples, but that were intact in that way. And I didn't see a lot of divorced couples. And I know they exist. Judaism and Jewish families aren't immune to divorce. We certainly know that firsthand. So where are they? And I wonder if they're on the margins and I wonder how they feel about Jewish community and I want to engage them in dialogue. And I also think there's a perspective I bring to this as a man. And I know that there's a voice to be turned up when it comes to talking about a man's role in divorce and also what it's like now to live as a man and to be a father to two young boys who are growing up in the process of being a single father. So I want to add my voice to that. I want to invite other men into that conversation as well, because I know there are great Jewish dads out there, and I know that there are other just great dads out there, and I think we've all got a lot to share, and I would love to share it with them and hear their wisdom. And, and dads that have beards. And dads that have beards. There are a lot of dads that have beards, so that might be a Facebook group that uh, like you? I'll start up. Yes, I have a beard. Thank you very much. You're being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. Okay. I'm saying thank you for telling me that I have a beard. I like my beard. Okay. Part of the adjustment period. It is. The the you grow that the <laughs> right, that's part of the hero's journey, right? There's the departure, right? The ordeal in the middle and then the return. And as a result, you have the beard to show that you are different. I think the beard is, is the return. I'm sorry? Beard is the return. It is, yeah, yeah. It's the sign, right? It's kenaz. It's called wisdom in the Jewish tradition. You get a beard and you've acquired some. So maybe there's something rattling around up in my head. We'll see. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully maybe. we can uncover some of those things. I don't know. Thank you, oh. Noam, for sharing that part of yourself with us and Elijah with us. Yeah, well, I was really happy to, here too. get to know you a little bit. And we hope yeah. to continue these conversations to find out, you know, to talk about our experiences and more communal experiences. We'd love to hear from you. You can check us out at thejewishdivorceproject.com. You can submit questions or ideas, things you'd like us to talk about, and you can see our episodes on there. You can also email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. We'd love to have input from everyone and go from there and see how this develops. Slash.com. Please don't.